Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care proudly presents Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast series, a podcast device to help emerging and experienced therapy leaders learn more about various topics relevant to outpatient therapy services. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast series podcast devised to help emerging experienced therapy leaders learn more about various topics relevant to outpatient therapy services. Today's podcast is titled Outpatient Physical Therapy by the Numbers. My guest today is Patrick Slotman. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. Most welcome. Before we dive into the topic, usually ask our guests to give a brief introduction. We'd love to know a little bit about your background and uh, what you're currently doing. Yeah, for sure. So currently I serve as the Vice President of Operations for Alliance Physical Therapy Partners. So I have the pleasure of working with you most days. But before that, I I am a licensed physical therapist and I've really worked about every single outpatient physical therapy position that there is. So I started as a staff therapist back in 2012 and I did that for a couple years. I was a clinic director, I was a multi-site clinic director, ultimately became a group director of a fairly large joint venture group of clinics in West Michigan, eventually all became a regional director and now a VP. So as it stands today, I, I oversee about 50 Alliance outpatient locations and then also a multitude of different hospital contract services that we run. Great. Thank you. I don't know if it's a pleasure working with me, but anyway, I suppose you have to say that really, don't you? <laughs> You know, it just depends on the day, I guess. (laughs) I'm really interested to see where this podcast takes us because numbers, I believe, by perceived by many people almost to be a kind of a dirty word, particularly when it pertains to healthcare or outpatient physical therapy. And uh, it, it shouldn't be, should it? It really should be something to actually help us manage the business. But certainly the perception of talking numbers seems to have a negative connotation, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. You know, early on in my career, I found that I really had a drawing towards numbers. I, I kind of have a number mind and it really helps me kind of put my thoughts into order. But I've always looked at numbers as numbers create questions. They don't give us answers. So I really use my numbers to, to ultimately help drive conversations and really dig down into the nitty gritty details and figure out what's going on in our clinic. Absolutely. So before we talk about you know what numbers are used and metrics and how they may assist first off we've got to to really understand you know the basics so why do we even want to measure because i think a lot of clinics don't really operate using objective measures particularly i think they just kind of fly by their seat of the pants half the time so why measure basically i really look at measuring as asking the question of are we being successful and, you know, I think there's a lot of different areas that we need to understand of, of are we actually being successful in that specific area. So, you know, first and foremost, we're a service industry and, and our goal is to optimize our patient outcomes. So we need to understand, are we doing everything that's possible to make sure our patients are getting the best possible outcome? You know, but we also look at a lot of things in terms of patient satisfaction. So outcomes are, are oftentimes related to an emotional experience that the patient may have in the clinic. Uh, we look at employee satisfaction. We want to make sure that our therapists enjoy coming to work every day because that certainly translates into that patient outcome. 
And we also just want to know, are we being efficient with the service that we're providing? At the end of the day, we need the business to be profitable if we want to continue to have the opportunity to serve patients. It's really about knowing how we're truly doing, isn't it? You know, if you don't have a measure, then how do we know if we're being successful in in any terms, be that patient engagement, functional outcomes, financial performance or operational metrics, isn't it? And what blows me away is people's perception of performance is very often very different than actual performance once the measure or the metric is actually put in front of them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I oftentimes find that ignorance is bliss until it's not. You know, I I go into especially some of these hospital contracts that I've worked with, smaller hospitals that, quite frankly, just don't even have the resources available to be able to track a lot of their measures. And when you sit down and start talking to them about it, they're absolutely clueless about how many visits they see, how many new patients they have. They really don't even have goals that their people are necessarily striving to, to achieve. And sometimes that works out okay, and in other times it can be absolutely disastrous because you end up finding that there's just a lot of waste in your system. Interesting you you bring up the word goals because I find that therapists are pretty competitive in general. And if they have a number and a goal, they will usually try and work towards it, won't they? But if you don't even have the number in the first place, then how can you actually establish the goal, yes? Yeah, you know, I find that, especially in the outpatient world, a lot of therapists come from an athletic background, and they have that, that innate competitive nature. And sometimes it's against themselves, but most of the time it's against others, whether or not that be in their clinic or even competing against other clinics within their own partner, or potentially against competitors in the marketplace. So yeah, most most of our therapists certainly want to be the best in their marketplace. They want to be the, the provider of choice. When we say, well, we're going to look at one's metrics, what do we actually mean? What is a, what is a metric? Yeah, so I think of a metric as really just a number. Ultimately, it's a system or a standard of measurement, depending on whatever you're trying to measure. So to me, it's, it's how we actually quantify real-world events, things that are happening in our clinic on a day-to-day basis, but being able to have some way of actually measuring them. Obviously, having a metric, there is a the number obviously you know, goes from low to high, but the high number or high metric doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's better performance or worse performance, is it? Depending on on the metric that we're talking about, a high number actually might be a bad thing. Yes. Yeah, so it it completely depends on what you're trying to quantify. Something like a cancellation rate that we track on a daily basis, the the higher that number, the worse. So absolutely, it depends on what you're measuring as to do you want to be on the the low end or the high end of that scale. In order to have a good understanding of how one is performing, you really probably have more than one metric, yes? Yes. It even comes down to the uh, the different departments within your business. So every single business has, has different metrics that they look at, and you need to start to understand what are the things that are actually important to your uh, successful performance and, and where do you create value to the organization as a whole. And I think different settings obviously have different key metrics or shall we say key performance indicators. Can you explain what a key performance indicator is perhaps? I think of key performance indicators as what is the industry norm? 
So we obviously, physical therapy has been around for a very long time. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of visits that are performed on a daily basis. And ultimately, we've started to learn over time what are the things that work well and ultimately provide the best results. And so the key performance indicator is really kind of the benchmark that has been set over time that we've established relative to the industry norm or, or what we know to be as best practice. Interesting when you say work well because clinicians have often a different perception depending on where they work, the environment and the perhaps the culture of the entity in which they're working for as it pertains to, to their perception or judgment of, of what is well, isn't it? So hospitals, for instance, may have a different definition of success or optimization than perhaps a standalone outpatient clinic that's for profit, yes? Yeah, I think PT is really a, a unique industry in that the spectrum of the position that you can hold is really, really vast. So we have therapists who all go to, to school now, they come out with the exact same degree, but some of them may go work in a hospital and do inpatient acute care. Some of them may do inpatient rehab. Some go into home health. Some ultimately go into outpatient. Some work in a SNF. Depending on what setting you land on, yeah, the goalposts really do move because the demands that are required of the therapist to, to provide the optimal form of patient care really are different in all of those settings. I suppose an, an example where this occurs actually within outpatient, where the number of visits, that's a, a typical metric, isn't it, that that's one looks at and the benchmark of visits per FT per day. And... Uh, it varies significantly across the country, doesn't it? And we can perhaps talk a little bit later why that varies. But, but it, it, it isn't static or constant from one clinic to the next or one geographical region to the other, yes? Yeah, definitely not. You know, a lot of that is driven, I would say, by the state, but some of it is even geographic location within your own state. So, you know, we work with, with rural hospital groups and it's not uncommon that, you know, someone may have to drive an hour or more to get to that location. So how you arrange that patient's plan of care may be completely different than being in a more urban outpatient setting. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. Agile EMR is a comprehensive, all-in-one electronic medical records solution created by physical therapists for physical therapists. Features include everything you need to run your physical therapy practice in one place. To schedule a demonstration of Agile EMR, visit our website at www.agiletherapyemr.com. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. The, the company that we both work for, Alliance, is, is pretty sophisticated with regards to its reporting and metrics, but one couldn't possibly look at all the data and the, the measures that generated because we'd, we'd end up with analysis paralysis, wouldn't we? We'd be just spend all day just staring at reports, which, which really uh, defeats the object of utilization of numbers. So it's choosing those that we believe are most relevant for the uh, goals of the business, yes? Yeah, I think that there is a real risk in, in terms of looking at too much data sometimes. Sometimes you just get people focusing on the wrong things. You know, the other thing that you always have to keep in mind is, is how the numbers affect each other. Because you can get into really nitty-gritty details with metrics, but at the end of the day, most of those metrics all come back to kind of 
one main goal that you're working on. So it's really important to understand how all of your metrics kind of interact with each other and figuring out how do you prioritize which ones you attack? Because oftentimes if you can pick the more broad metric, all of those kind of more specific metrics tend to follow suit along with it. Really good point because I, in my mind, I see certain measures in almost like a pyramidal shape. What I mean by that is, for instance, the base of the pyramid, for instance, I'll have referrals. And then the next piece of the pyramid would be new patients. And then the next piece would be visits. And they, they build on one another. So you know, one metric is, well, more than one metric, you know, the the majority of metrics are somehow related, aren't they? And it's trying to work out which metric is the keystone almost. And that varies depending on what the underlying issue of the clinic is or the business, but it's trying to work out which is the one you want to tackle first. Yes. And that's where I always tie it back to the story. So the, the metrics hopefully give you some really good questions once you're actually on site and able to, to chat with people who are living that experience day to day. Being able to ask the questions and really understand why is this number what this number is. You know, and I think the other really cool part about it is understanding how metrics from different components of, of people's jobs within the clinic interact too. So we do a lot of look at, at trying to increase our communication between our front office and our clinical staff because they have different metrics that they're measured against, but ultimately their metrics come back to, to you know, providing good, solid clinic performance and ultimately maximizing our patient experience. And my saying, which I'm sure you're sick of, I'm pretty sure everyone is sick of within Alliance, is the idea that numbers don't drive numbers, behaviors drive numbers. The numbers are essentially utilized to help us understand how we are performing based on certain behaviors. And then from that number, trying to work out what behaviors we need to change to then move the metric. And it's not beating people up about that metric, is it? It's really just in a working in a collaborative way, trying to understand the root cause of the, the number that is in front of us and then determining what we have to do more or less in order to get back to what would be either a benchmark or a set expectation yes yeah i always try to remember that behind every single metric is a human being ultimately in, in our world it's humans that are, are driving those numbers and so you really do have to be able to identify who are the specific humans that are related to that metric and how do you create a behavioral intervention to ultimately change it. You know, earlier we talked about key performance indicators and one of the, the main things to understand about key performance indicators is that they innately do not make you better. You can set a target at whatever you want it to be, but if you don't address the human being that is associated with it and ultimately change their behavior, you're never going to make up any ground towards trying to achieve that goal. It's funny, the clinic directors that and the leaders that are successful, they oftentimes don't even refer directly to the KPI. They really look at the KPI and then in conversation with their their reports talk about be just the behaviors you don't necessarily even need to mention the the number itself particularly for those clinicians and leaders that that are gun shy about talking numbers yes yeah i think you absolutely have to know your audience and that's where 
there's always a place in time as a clinical director where you have to have an all staff meeting where you're talking to everyone. But more times than not, it's it's really sitting down and having one-on-one conversations. It's being able to look at your KPIs and and tie that metric back to the one specific person that needs to, to make a change. What I've found is that when you talk to a group of people, everyone can leave that room and they can say, well, they must have been talking about the guy sitting next to me. That's not me doing that. And if you really want to be able to drive change, especially in a more rapid manner, you need to get down to that individual level. I think the difference between a good and bad leader is a bad leader will just go in and say, hey, team, we're at 3.6 and we should be at 4. So work on that. And then they, they kind of move on. The number, as we say, is somewhat academic what it is. It's really, you know, what do we want to do associated with it? And if people aren't given the, the tactics and the information, then it, one, it, the other reason is it's meaningless. And they feel as if they're being beaten up over a, a metric that, that somehow is not necessarily the, the be all or end all. And they, they see it almost as disciplinary in nature rather than actually numbers helping to facilitate discussion and conversation. Yeah. For sure. I think it's super important that whenever you're talking about metrics and you're trying to make a change, whoever you're talking to needs to understand the why and the how behind the what. So you can lay out whatever goal you want, but if you don't also have an idea for a game plan in terms of how you're going to get there and really be able to lay out the specific interventions that you want to try to implement, you're just going to be wasting time because ultimately people are going to have trial and error trying to, to make an improvement, which as a leader, hopefully you've been through this before and, and you've already been able to weed out those things that, that don't work and, and really point people on the direction or the path of things that you know are going to make them successful. What type of metrics are most relevant and used on a regular basis within outpatient physical therapy to measure success with the clinic level, would you say? Yeah, so I always really look at metrics as kind of breaking them down into the key components of the overall business. So as a physical therapist myself, I've obviously lived in the clinical world most of the time and really trying to look at the metrics that relate back to things that we have control within the clinic and whether or not that be at the individual clinician level or potentially the clinic as a whole level. So some of those those main things that we're always going to look at are what you mentioned earlier, visits, new patients, visits per episode of care, visits per FTE per day. You know, there's countless metrics that I think we're going to dive into a little bit deeper here in a minute. But then outside of, of the clinician and things that are happening in the clinic, there's also going to be metrics that relate back to our finance team being able to take what's happening in the clinic and and translate that into is our business being profitable or not we have revenue cycle uh, metrics you know we look at things like bad debt and, and collection rates even right down to our human resources and talent acquisition you know in, in today's PT world it seems to be that we just can't find enough physical therapists and so there's metrics in terms of being able to look at talent acquisition and say how many job openings do we have right now and how long is it taking us to be able to fill those on the marketing component when we look at our website or social media presence how, how many eyeballs are we getting in front of so regardless of what department of the business you're in you should have metrics and ultimately key performance and indicators that you're measuring and trying to achieve. That's a really good point because I'm a firm believer that everyone on the team should have KPIs that they're accountable for, be that the rehab aid, tech, 
front office, staff therapist, clinic director, right the way up to the CEO. And the other thing I try and do is try and align those KPIs as much as I can as well, which then fits in nicely all being well with with the culture that one's trying to develop with the with the organization would you agree with that yeah i think that just comes back to a basic job description to a certain extent if if you're in a position regardless of what industry you're in and and you don't have a goal or a metric that you're trying to achieve then i don't think you really understand what your job is I think that's just kind of a, a core basis of being a, a good employee and, and understanding what are the main things that I'm here to do and, and where do I provide value to the business as a whole and make sure that you're really prioritizing, you know, those things in your job description that are going to create the most value for the for the whole. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. Most orthotic manufacturers take a one shape fits all approach to solving lower body pain and symptoms. They focus on arch support for temporary pain relief, which can end up leading to inefficiencies and injuries. That's where BioCorrect is different. More than just an insert, BioCorrect is a fully customizable foot orthotic system engineered to address and treat biomechanical imbalances of the entire body. And we're backed by more than 25 years of experience. To learn more, visit us at BioCorrect.com. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. With increasing challenges as it pertains to reimbursement, increasing costs associated with providing outpatient physical therapy, I think one has to become more aware and accepting of data and the utilization of data to improve performance. I think in the past there was enough shall I say, slack in the system where perhaps the focus didn't need to be there or certainly not not to the extent to which it does need to be there nowadays to, to understand performance and reduce redundancy or improve optimization, whatever the component of the business. So I think certainly numbers are here to stay, and I think people have to be comfortable with them, don't they? That's not to say that we should run a business based purely on numbers, but I think they're becoming increasingly important for the success of an organization, yes? Yeah, what I find is that there does tend to be a stigma around talking about numbers. And I I think a lot of that comes back to the context in terms of which you have those conversations, because numbers can feel dirty at times, especially if, if you get down to just talking about money. You know, the benefit that we have in our industry is that financial KPIs and patient outcome KPIs tend to correlate very, very well with each other. So when we're talking about improving things within the clinic itself, it's really important to kind of put that conversation into the context of what are we doing to improve our patient experience or ultimately our patient's functional outcomes? Because more times than not, the things that improve our patient outcomes also have a positive effect on our bottom line. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think the number of clinicians feel that if you move, let's say, operational met- metrics or you, you have, let's say, you increase visits per FT per day, that there is somehow a negative correlation with, let's say, patient satisfaction. But the true irony is actually the best performing clinics actually 
those that were necessary aren't necessarily well are not those that have low patient volume so we have found and i found this with multiple companies that the there is a lockstep in regards to financial performance operational metrics and also patient satisfaction whereas i think a lot of therapists believe that one is dil- somehow diluting the the care and providing less than optimum care if one is focused on the operational financial metrics but that that's the furthest from the truth i found yeah you know i always look back to say at the end of the day the the two things that drive revenue the most on our on our pnl statements are going to be our total visit count and our skilled units per visit because ultimately skilled units per visit is what's driving revenue on an individual visit basis and the total number of visits is is what's driving really that top line revenue and when you think about it as as a patient the longer that I spend with you each individual visit, I'm increasing your value, the amount of care that I'm providing you, which should correlate to increased skilled units per visit. And then when we start looking at visits per episode of care, the more times that I see you on a consistent basis, the more likely you are to actually get better and achieve your goals. So I think we're, we're really doing our patients a disservice most of the time if we're worried about seeing them too long or too frequently. Let's pivot a little bit and dive a little deeper into perhaps the KPIs specific for clinicians and what are common benchmarks or what have you commonly seen in in different environments. So as we've said, referrals and new patients, uh, they really drive the business first and foremost. What other metrics are there specific for the outpatient clinician that are operational in nature that that, that need to take into account at least? So I think if you look at the individual visit, as I just mentioned, we really talk about units. So we always want to make the distinction between skilled units versus unskilled units as well. And the main reason that we do that is, one, from a patient outcome perspective, it's been pretty well documented that modalities are not what are getting our patients better. So when we start thinking about hot packs, cold packs, ultrasound, e-stim, those things certainly have their place in terms of clinical intervention. However, the vast majority of the time, that's not the thing that's actually getting our patient better. We really want to focus on our on our manual therapy techniques and our active exercise interventions. Those are the things that have proven to really maximize a patient's outcome. And when you flip that back to, to looking at your financial performance, those unskilled metrics really don't reimburse. There's some insurance companies that don't reimburse anything for them at all or, or maybe a few bucks at this point. So we do really want to make sure that our therapists are providing skilled interventions to maximize those patient functional outcomes. And and then we tie that back to how long we're spending with the patient. So in the outpatient world today, I think that somewhere in probably around that 3.7 to 4.2 skilled unit per visit is kind of the standard. I think most places you go, you're going to receive roughly 45 minutes to an hour of care. And if you're receiving an hour of care, then we want to make sure that we're billing for the service we're providing. So if you spend at least an hour with a patient, there's no reason that you shouldn't be achieving four skilled units. The kicker always is for clinicians, how many patients do I have to see? And there's this perception I think there's definitely a perception reality gap for most clinicians. I always feel they they always feel they're actually seeing many more patients than they actually are. It blows me away actually the the difference. And certainly when I look on, for instance, job 
websites and they say that employer X made me see X number of patients a day. And then I have the actual statistics and the reality is very different. But what truly determines, well, what, first off, do you have a benchmark and do you have a kind of a good understanding of, of the reality of what the average visits per FD per day is. And then can you perhaps explain why that might be different in, let's say, Missouri compared to Michigan, for instance? Yeah, certainly. So I think a, a good range, pretty well accepted industry norm is probably 10 to 14 visits per day. The, the ultimate reality is that the reimbursement level within your given state or potentially your given setting oftentimes drives whether or not you're closer to that 10 number or closer to that 14 number. So the two states that you threw out, Michigan and Missouri, within Michigan on the outpatient side, we can pretty consistently average over $100 of net revenue per visit on a four-skilled unit visit. In the state of Missouri, on four skilled units, we struggle to get to 70 bucks. So inevitably, it's just a mathematics game of you have to see more patients in Missouri than you do in Michigan to ultimately achieve the same bottom line. I think it's funny when I interview new graduates and they're told what questions to ask by their schools. It's obvious. And one of the questions is, how many patients do I have to see? And there's this perception, isn't there, that if I have to see more than one patient at any one time, and if I have to see, say, more than eight or nine patients a day, then somehow I'm compromising myself as a clinician and, and it's, it's being unreasonable. But I turn it back and I say, well, we see as many patients as we need in order to be able to pay the bills, keep the lights on, provide you with a, a market competitive salary and provide normal profit. And that kind of throws them then because they don't expect that. They almost believe that if you, if you see more patients, somebody somewhere is, is pocketing a lot more money. And that's just not the case, is it? If you want to get rich, you went into the wrong industry being a physical therapist, you know, but I think there's a couple things that I always, I always look back and you mentioned uh, new grad interviews, because that is a super common question that I get when I'm interviewing new grads. And, you know, I really try to, to put it back on them too, in terms of saying, we give our clinicians a lot of control over their schedule. So I, I don't think there's any clinician that is going to argue that they should have to see less than one patient per hour. One patient per hour is, is the absolute minimum that anyone should be required to see. When you start talking about getting into 10 visits per day, you're literally talking about two times in your day that either you need to be double booked or potentially dovetailing a visit with another patient. And so when you put it into that context, they, they really do kind of take a second thought and say, well, man, yeah, you're right. 10, 10 patients doesn't sound that bad. But the, the reality of it is, is that the vast majority of outpatient clinics struggle to get to 10. And I think that there's a real perception disconnect between what the therapist feels in the clinic in terms of their really busy days compared to those days where they may have a 50% cancel rate, see four patients and go home two days early. So every therapist remembers the day that they were slammed and no one showed up on the right time and they showed up on the wrong day. And ultimately they saw 20 patients for the first time in their day. And as a therapist, I'll be the first one to say, that's a really, really busy day. But the KPI metrics that we talk about are averages. And I think that's where sometimes the numbers get lost in the thought process is that there's always going to be some days where you're, you're busier than others. And so our goal is to average out to about that 10 visits per day. 
We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. The world around us is changing at a rapid pace, and so is our preference for how, where, and when we choose healthcare. That's where Agile Virtual Care answers the call. Agile Virtual Care is a comprehensive telehealth solution revolutionizing physical therapy by making PT convenient, safe, and accessible across the entire country. For providers and employers looking to offer employees different options for preventative and continual care, Agile Virtual Physical Therapy delivers the comfort and convenience that patients want and the quality care they deserve from experienced licensed therapists. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. I know the system of healthcare is very different in England, but my average in England was 26 visits in an eight-hour day. And it's funny, if I saw 22, I thought I was had a quiet day and it was easy. And if I saw 28 or 30, I thought it was a, a really busy day. It's really what one is used to as well, isn't it? And how one manages their time in part. Now, I'm not certainly not advocating that, that we see 26 visits a day in the US. That, you know, the, the type of care was delivery was very different in the UK, but uh, you know, it's, it's what one is used to, isn't it? Very often. Yeah. And I think a lot of it also comes down to your individual clinic and what your team setting looks like. I've worked in clinics and where I've been the only therapist there, and it was literally me and patients and maybe a front office coordinator. And to see 15 or 20 patients in that scenario feels a lot busier and more hectic than if I'm in a situation where maybe I've got four or five clinicians and a tech or two running around. There's a lot of things that go into that patient experience that that are emotional in nature. And sometimes just being in a bigger clinic with more people around, you have teammates that if, if you if you potentially have two patients at once, you can say, hey, do you mind getting Sally Jane set up on so-and-so? And there really can be that team collaboration to providing patient care that sometimes I think is overlooked. So I really encourage my clinic directors when we're talking about scheduling and average visits per FTE per day, we do tend to look at it more on the clinic level than we do the individual therapist level at locations with multiple clinics because there are certain clinicians who innately have the ability to see more patients in a day than others. And good examples of that are are PTAs first and foremost because they're only seeing treatment follow-up visits, meaning that they don't have hour-long blocks eaten up on their schedule with evals. And typically they're seeing less complicated patients to where they are easier patients to be able to dovetail or potentially double book. And then when when you start to look at being able to have a tech in play, sometimes that tech is just that extra set of hands to be able to do some of the busy work in the clinic, be able to make sure that your tables are getting turned over appropriately and, and doing laundry and you know just being able to sometimes be that extra set of eyes on a patient as they're doing an exercise. And sometimes it's just being able to, to sit there and talk to them. So I think as a clinical leader, you're doing yourself a disservice too if you look at right down to that individual therapist level on visits per FTE per day. Sometimes looking at the clinic capacity as a whole is more important. That brings up a really good point with regards to teamwork. I've always found that if there are two clinicians and let's say they have 10 patients on their schedule each, so it's 20 patients for the day, if they operate individually, that's a lot more work than if they operate actually in a team. And that's not to say they're continually going backwards and forwards between the 20 patients, each each of the therapists, but certainly if they are 
tag teaming and helping each other and then utilizing ancillary staff, the day and the, the flow of patient flow and the ability to deliver care is so much easier. And I think, I think this is lost on a lot of clinicians. A lot of clinicians just want to bury themselves in a room with one patient at a time. And I think it does them a disservice as it pertains to, you know, being able to manage patient flow, but also there's obviously the socialization issue for the patient, et cetera, et cetera. But it, those clinics that are really successful truly operate as one unit, don't they, rather than individual clinicians? Yeah, and I don't even know how to quantify it sometimes, but I have the luxury of being able to go into a lot of different clinics on a regular basis. And I truly believe that when you walk into a clinic, you can feel the vibe or the culture of that clinic. You know if the therapists there enjoy working with each other and are having a good time and there's laughter. And and quite frankly, sometimes it's just downright loud in the clinic. But you can tell that the, the therapists and the patients are having fun performing therapy. And I think that's really important. And quite frankly, I think it's very therapeutic. So as you said, if, if you're a therapist and you're taking every single one of your patients and you're burying them into a room one-on-one, I think you're doing yourself as an employee and the patient a disservice. Whenever we talk about numbers with clinicians, either directly or indirectly, there are obviously pitfalls with any type of conversation. I think you know, when we're trying to address a deficient KPI, I definitely think there's challenges very often. What do you believe, what have you seen as the dangers and pitfalls when talking about metrics with outpatient therapists or clinic directors? I think sometimes you run the risk of being able to see the forest for the trees. You, you know, we, we use the term analysis paralysis a little bit ago too, that at the end of the day, our ultimate objective is to maximize our patient functional outcomes. So I think always being able to, to take everything that we do and relate it back to that patient experience and the patient functional outcome is really important. So don't necessarily worry about getting so down to the nitty gritty details that if you have a metric you're looking at that you can't figure out how that ties back to your ultimate objective, it's probably not that important to being able to, to measure on a daily basis. And the other thing that I find is that most people can only concentrate on one or two things at a time anyways. So as a leader, you have to be able to, to figure out what is the most important thing that I want to focus on today. Because if I start providing someone with six, seven, eight things that we're all trying to change at once, odds are none of them are going to change at all. It's always relating it back, isn't it? The, uh, what, relating it to clinical excellence and patient outcomes and satisfaction. So it really, regardless of what the metric or KPI is, it is always goes back to that, doesn't it? And the saying that, again, I overuse is compliant quality care in a fiscally responsible manner. And that's really the order, isn't it? The metrics are first and foremost, we have to make sure one is compliant and the metrics will, will and KPIs will assist in that and then quality and then obviously in a fiscally responsible manner. But I think where the, the potential danger is, is when those priorities are mixed up and the financial side or the quality aside comes before compliance. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing with the fiscal responsibility component that sometimes gets lost is that 
fiscal responsibility does not necessarily mean that we're just pumping up our, our margin and that, you know, we're, we're putting a bunch of dollars into the corporation's pocket. Fiscal responsibility means that we're spending dollars on the right things. So it's no secret that reimbursement rates continue to go down. Cost of living expenses continue to go up. I haven't ever found a therapist that thinks that they're paid too much. So making sure that we're not wasting dollars on things that aren't enhancing either our patients or our employees' satisfaction truly is just a waste to the business. We want to be able to make sure that we're spending dollars on on the appropriate things. So fiscal responsibility does not mean that we're just trying to increase the amount of profit. It truly means that, that we're trying to maximize efficiency and minimize waste. Absolutely. That's a good point. We're running out of time today. I ask all my guests, or pretty much all my guests, what they believe the future holds for outpatient physical therapy. It's a little bit of an unfair question, I think, because it's it's um, looking into a crystal ball. But I'd love to know your thoughts. Do you feel that the future of outpatient physical therapy is is rosy, or do you see some perhaps some uh, thunderclouds, or you know, what, what what's your perception? I think that there's definitely some headwinds that we're going to face in terms of specifically reimbursement. However, I think the outlook is very, very positive. You know, the reality is, is that our population continues to live longer and be more active. And so the demand for our services in the future, I think, is only going to continue to increase, which is good for everyone. That, that means there's going to be an abundance of patients that need our help. And certainly it's going to create a, a very positive job market. The interesting part is just going to be continuing to figure out how we balance the the fiscal responsibility side of it, making sure that we can provide strong, appropriate wages for the service that we are providing. And a lot of it, I think, is is starting to advocate for our profession as itself and, and really being able to show how we can help drive down overall healthcare expenses. You know, there's more and more research showing and coming out and being able to demonstrate the fact that physical therapy is a very, very strong alternative to more invasive interventions. So if there's things that we can start to do and, and continue to prove our value of being able to, to save healthcare spend in, in other areas, then I think that, that bodes very well for helping increase our reimbursement rates. That's great insight. Thank you for your time today, Patrick. Really appreciate it. And also looking forward to, to part two of the conversation and exploring you know, metrics and, and numbers a little bit deeper as it pertains to kind of the, the overall business. But, but thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Look forward to our next one. This podcast was brought to you by Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care. For more information, please visit our websites alliancepTP.com and agilevirtualcare.com. Make sure to follow us on social media and LinkedIn, where you can learn more about Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care.